Yeah, that's rough. I feel like, like, along the lines of, like, stealing the source of their power, like, Red, once you're defeated, the person who defeats you just, like, suddenly their hair is very much longer. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you get, you get the Super Saiyan 3 upgrade. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You get a tiny cactus and a little pot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not that you take anything; it's that you 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 gain Red's power. Yeah, you you absorb <laughs> yeah. my spirit, and thus I will always be with you on your quest. Unfortunately yeah. for you, <laughs> <laughs> have fun buying three times as much shampoo, fucko. <laughs> it's the Vine audio where it's like being possessed by a demon. It's like, what do you want? <laughs> the souls of the innocent. The souls of a the bagel. A bagel. No. <laughs> two, two bagels. <laughs> two, two bagels. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I am Blue, and I'm joined by Red. Heyo! And I don't really know where to uh, go for the rest of this intro. Usually I have something I want to, like, talk about or discuss or, like, some 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 fun anecdote uh, from the week past, but I've fully got nothing this week. Well, I have, uh, I have a grievance <laughs> against you for getting me into a mobile game that I can't stop playing. <laughs> Okay, so the story beginneth thusly. Red uh, sends me a message out of the blue uh, saying, Hey, so I, uh, I'm i playing Civ, and I don't think I like it, but I seem to have spent an hour on it already. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, you should not play Civ 6. That's bad. It's a good game. It will eat your life. For the professional integrity of this channel, I need you to not get addicted to Civ. So what I did instead was I suggested a better game, uh, called Battle for Polytopia, which is like Civ Light and is very fun, and I love playing it on airplanes when I'm flying places. Not recently, but you know what I mean. Right. Um, and then Red. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. For those of you not in the know, Battle for Polytopia is a game that is, well, you described it as like if Civ was an arcade game, and that's very accurate. It's bright and colorful. It's isometric in the video game sense, not the math sense. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's like Civ, but you actually win in 30 turns or 60 turns. Uh, yeah, it's and... Civ, but it doesn't last three hours. Right, and you don't, you don't get out-competed by somebody you literally never meet in the game while Catherine of Aragon backstabs you and declares war. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not like that. It's, it's got all the things in Civ that, uh, that hit the serotonin button, but uh, none of the parts that make me kind of want to die. So... Uh, I've done nothing today but play that game, which is kind of the opposite of uh, getting me back to being productive, <laughs> frankly speaking. This is like this is like when there's like an invasive species and they introduce another invasive species that eats that invasive species, but then yeah. it just starts eating everything else. It's so. it's like the uh, the snake bounty, um, wherever that was, where there was like. Like somewhere in India, there were too many. There were too many snakes, so the British mm. put a, a bounty in to, to get people to, to bring in their snakes, and then people started breeding more snakes to collect the bounty. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh. here, I thought I was being smart by offering you a game that is that is over like inside the span of half an hour. Like the games are short. The games, but then I didn't realize that it was more fun and that you just play more games. <laughs> well, it's like it's like candy, you know. It's bright and colorful, and it is so easy to just overindulge. So. Yeah. That's fun. Highly recommend it. It's also like the game is free and you can play it for free, but if you want to get more groups of people, you can pay very small amounts of money for them. Whereas Civ made me pay them $10 before it unlocked the base game. 
<sighs> the free to play future, everybody. So, uh, jumping back half a conversation topic, uh, and going back to, uh, Britain, uh, mm-hmm. I this week had a video, uh, the, the sort of sneaky part two on my, my British Empire video from a little bit before. Uh, it was a video on, uh, a city minutes on, on the history of, uh, some, uh, some four famous cities in Britain and Ireland, yeah. uh, talking about London, talking about Edinburgh, who, Half of the comments were like, wow, Blue pronounces Edinburgh really weird. And half of the comments were like, oh my god, someone who finally pronounces it right. And I feel like Welcome this is just a general problem for the uh, for the, the non-England parts of the Isles uh, is that uh, no one agrees what the hell anything sounds like. Well, okay, let's be real. Also the England parts. If you think I mean, they don't have regional accents names, down but- to the city block... Well, but, like, the city names in England are weird, but, like, yeah, they're phonetic. They make sense. <laughs> eh, well, technically, they're all phonetic. It's just we're used to English phonetics. Everything else is hot nonsense. Oh, God. But, uh, yeah, and, and then also uh, Cardiff uh, and Dublin. Uh, and I got also uh, a handful of comments uh, that were... Um, either confused or displeased by my my omission uh, of Belfast from the City Minutes list. Uh, and I, I can understand that. Um, it is it is one of many populous cities. It is the the uh, fourth capital of a constituent kingdom in the United Kingdom. Um, mm. However, I, I didn't really include it because the the part the the time frame that I was really talking about was like like 1666 Great Fire up to like pretty much, you know, Irish independence, and that's, like, kind of where it stopped. Like, in the Dublin video, Ireland only exists as an independent nation for about 10 seconds of airtime. So Mm -hmm. if I was to suddenly, like, jump over and talk about, like, okay, so now that Northern Ireland suddenly exists now, uh, let's talk about Belfast. It would have been weird. It wouldn't have really fit in, and it doesn't really... It it wasn't part of the system. I had this nice, like, four-city system that I devised, and I was thinking, like, oh, I can talk about Manchester... I can talk about Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can yeah. talk about this place in Glasgow, and yeah, and yeah, yeah. But like, nothing really grabbed me enough to to justify breaking this very neat, convenient, like clean setup of these four cities. So mm-hmm. I, I understand that a lot of people were upset that I didn't include uh, Belfast, but I just uh, sorry, gang. I just I had a real, real, real nice setup with the four, and I, I didn't want to talk about the troubles if I could avoid it, so I didn't want to talk about Belfast. (laughs) That's really what it comes down to. I didn't uh, want to to unbalance this beautiful system I had built by talking about the troubles for a straight minute. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Part of the problem is um, whenever you are doing any kind of list, the number one complaint will always be why didn't you include everything on the list? And uh, I'm speaking from immediate experience because as of time (laughs) recording, uh, yesterday, Indigo and I recorded our second ever After Dark live stream, and uh, we were doing a tier list of detectives, and almost every single comment on that video is people complaining that we didn't include, I assume they are listing detectives, I wouldn't know, none of them are characters I am familiar with, <laughs> hence why they were not on the tier list. Yeah. Look, that, that... if you keep this up, I'm gonna have to start placing them randomly, and then nobody's gonna be happy. <laughs> Man, we really woke up and chose violence on this podcast, didn't we? You (laughs) against me, me against the population of Belfast, you again against people commenting random detectives. Who am I going to get mad at next? Oh, it's a mystery. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. I don't know. I I think that was a a really fun video. And one of my favorite things about the City Minutes is it gives you just this kind of quick, 
top-down analytical perspective on mm-hmm. just a lot of just highlights. You know, it's yeah. like it's a highlight yeah. reel. And the problem with a highlight reel is that it never goes in depth into yep. the the core of everything. That that is the function of a highlight reel, and it is also its weakness. It is yeah. what it is, and that's its strength and its weakness. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so it's like I understand the complaints of I fully understand why there's basically nothing you can do about it because after a while it's like why didn't you include uh belfast on bramley where i grew up (laughs) everyone's most important british township population six and it's just like i don't know man what i like most about the the city minutes is that it's just such a it's such a clean crisp format there is not an ounce of fat on those videos which is what mm-hmm. i really like because you know a lot of our longer videos we we get to like you know get to chew on stuff a little bit we get to, to let things sit we get to kind of like hammer away at a topic and, and chip away and, and and really dig into it but the the fun counterpoint with the city minutes is that it's just like there it is you get it cool moving on not not yep. you know any more than we need to 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 paint the picture and then and go on to the next thing so that is yeah exactly it's 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 a downside but it's it's part of what makes it so fun and and that challenge of like okay i've got a minute for each and i've got you know like five cities total what am I going to get in here? And and yep. stringing those together is really cool because when you talk about, you know, um, when you talk about history from the perspective of kings, you get, you know, a history of the world from the perspective of one single person. Uh, and if you talk about history like I do mostly, which is from the perspective of, of states, you know, I talk about, um, you know, city minutes, the British Empire. That's a state going through, you know, its, its historical motions. I'm not talking about specific population groups within that state. I'm not talking about the specific history of music within the British Empire of that time period. I'm, it's, it's the state is the character. And that mm. itself has a lot of limitations to it. But by making the, by making the cities the focus, I can, I can zoom in uh, to a perspective that is otherwise, you know, totally missing from the analysis that I do. So, like, yeah, you know, I, I, I do videos on, like, individual cities like Florence or something, sure. But, you know, there were a lot of other cities within that ecosystem. So, yep. uh, yeah, it's uh, reasons I'll, I'll get to many other uh, cities later. But And also, um, just, it, like, more generally, I don't think either of us have ever written a script and been like, that's it. Everything that needs to be said on this subject. <laughs> Literally yeah. never. Not even when it was like bare bones Shakespeare stuff. There is always more stuff to delve into yeah. in more detail. And that's why it's like, not to harp on the comment section, because I really do love and appreciate it. Uh, but a lot of the time it's like, why didn't you talk about this? And it's like, I don't know. Maybe you should talk about it. Y- you have opinions on it. Maybe you should write essays or make videos about them rather than expecting me to cover the entire corpus of all human knowledge and history. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, jeez. And then the silly part is, like, even in the context of this video, like, this video was the clippings that I didn't get to put into the Britain video. Yeah, <laughs> This exactly. video was already the notes that I had left over that I had no space for. It's made like, of I'm the cut quarters the of other videos. I'm talking a lot about the, like international stuff like i'm talking a lot outside the islands here i'm not talking about the industrial revolution for more than like three seconds i'm not talking about the entire georgian architecture movement i'm not talking about the whole like complex interplay of of redistricting entire urban spaces to account for new modes of transportation and industry and like all kinds of crazy nonsense like that so it goes in the city minutes video instead. Yep. So yeah. even that is the spillover. So you know, it's like 
it's 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 a, an endless curse because as soon as we we you know start researching uh, a topic for a video, we uh, we have opened a door that we cannot close. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, it's it's the unfortunate reality of making videos is there's always something that gets cut. But but that's why uh, the you know minutes is is a great way to to take some of those extra little little clippings and, and put them into a nice cohesive package that that wouldn't really stand on their own. As I learned trying it earlier this year. <laughs> yeah, but you know that's why that's why I think that the discussion about it is possibly the coolest part you know like the the video covers a lot of ground and a lot of times you know we, we have a thesis that we're trying to prove but then the really interesting thing is how people discuss it and like look into it on their own and, and come up with their own theories and just I don't know that that's the part that really kind of blows my mind it's like every time I make a video and I'm like oh I don't have time to talk about this especially like if I'm doing a trope talk I'll be like I don't have time to put in this example and inevitably one of the top rated comments will be someone being like here's another example and then like a three paragraph essay on like <laughs> why this character is cool actually which yeah. is great because it's like you know you know neither of us are trying to be like the comprehensive uh the, you know the be all end all of the discourse on this topic we're just trying to talk about it and and explore it and then encourage other people to explore it too. So yeah. when people are like, why didn't you explore all this? It's like, well, because that's not the point. But then when people are like, I explored this and here's what I thought. It's like, yes, you, good. Um, <laughs> on that yeah. subject, uh, I had a video too uh, <laughs> that came out a couple days ago uh, as of time of recording, a few days ago by the time this goes out. Uh, it was a trope talk and it was about detectives. And... Uh, people liked it, which is good because uh, I've been working on it enough that I reached a point where I was like, is this anything? Am I actually saying anything in this video? <laughs> um, you mentioned at the end that you had um, uh, a lot of trouble formulating the script in such a way that was about detectives yeah. rather than mysteries. And I, 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 I really got the sense in, in talking with you about it in the process of you you taking the notes and scripting it and, and working on it that it was... That was the the fundamental conflict was was how to slash can you talk about detectives without going into a whole tangent on the mm -hmm. the nature and construction of mystery stories in general. Yeah, well, you know, in on some level, every character is inextricably linked with the universe they are written in. You know, like they're a product of the setting and they're connected to the story that they're in. Uh, and in some stories, this connection is looser than others. You know, a lot of fandoms will be like, what if I take this character and I put them in a coffee shop? And it's like, well, okay, that's not really their environment they're designed for, but, you know, I guess they could theoretically do that. And then there's a character like a detective, where if you take them out of the mystery, they cease to be a detective. So it, it, it's a little more strongly linked than the average protagonist. Um, because their, their role is defined by their actions, and what they do is... They solve puzzles. Uh, you can put them in a story that isn't a mystery, but they need a mystery somewhere in that story to be working on. Uh, and as a result, I was trying to talk just about the character of the detective, and I realized there's very little there except the mystery and how they engage with it. Um, which was honestly kind of a bummer for me initially, because I, I really like discussing characters in isolation uh, or, or just in kind of really broad terms. Um, it's just, it's fun to me to kind of be like, as a rule, they do this, and sometimes they do that. You know, I don't know. It, it feels like I'm, like, narrating a nature documentary or something. Um, uh, axiomatic approach to uh, to characters. Yes, they're they're yeah. wibbly and confusing, so when you can give them rules, it, it feels nicer. Exactly. Uh, one of the primary appeals of TV tropes is breaking everything down into nice little quantifiable axioms and then going from there. Uh, 
it was a little frustrating to run into a situation where it's like, yeah, there are a lot of interesting detective characters, but that's because any character can be a detective. So instead of exploring cool things about the detective character, I have to explore the nature of detectiving itself, which is inextricably tied in with mysteries, which is fine. You know, it was a it was a fun thing to explore. It was just like I went looking for one thing and it wasn't there. And so initially I was like, oh, man, is there even anything here? Right, you uh, had an extraordinarily meta uh, experience working on a video about <laughs> detectives that turned out to be in itself a massive mystery. Oh God, like you, you're you right. You show up at the crime site, and it's like, all right, I can I can put these characters into these neat little boxes, and then suddenly you find a wrench in the gears. Is like, ah, yes, uh, uh, a half drunk Starbucks coffee. This uh, this is one for the evidence bin, and then suddenly yeah. everything is all messed up. Yep. Honestly, that, that metaphor part... got away from me a little bit in the middle, but I think eh. we all get the picture. <laughs> yeah, we, we got it. The only part of that video that really felt like it was familiar ground was dunking on BBC's Sherlock and also the Star Wars sequels. <laughs> uh, no. I'm always in my element there. <laughs> but um. Now, the God. most important component of a mystery box is that you never find out what's inside of it. I oh my god I no okay I no I I opened it I closed the no, box no, no, I closed no, no, the no. box no 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 it's fine <laughs> everything's cool I'm being very chill about this I just think it's interesting that some of the uh, most influential and highly paid writers of our age don't seem to understand that when you're writing a mystery you need to know the solution before you like start putting it on the page because otherwise it is not going to work it's like. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the way that writing got taught at some point started skipping steps. And there's a lot of writers running around these days that just like, there's things that they just never internalized. And one of them is if you're writing a mystery box, at least you need to know what the answer is. Or, you know, if you're writing a plot twist, you needed to like know what was going on. The coherence of the story is more important than whether or not your audience has already figured out where you're going with it. I mean, that's a rant from ages back when I did the plot yeah, twist video. I, but um, I, I was actually going to say my favorite part of the video was the the, the little bit in the middle where you you kind of divert to the uh, the Edgar Allan Poe story where it's like, oh, yes, it was an orangutan with a Tommy gun. Uh, sure. <laughs> like, have fun guessing that one, audience. But talking about how that relates to the um, uh, the Hitchcock rule of, you know, bomb under the table, it's it's the same thing with plot twists is if, if the mystery solution comes out of nowhere sure you have surprised your audience but the story as a result is terrible because there is nothing logically connecting it and you've just like thrown all of the the possible disbelief that your audience could have been suspending right out the window so mm -hmm. it, it was interesting to see how how those same tropes and those same pitfalls can apply to to both cases yeah uh, and then of course you know having edgar Allan poe be like the audience seems to like this in like 30 years they won't yeah <laughs> Well, what's interesting is um, there's there's something about that where so many of these archetypical mysteries have been adapted and remade over and over again. And it's interesting that nobody making those adaptations nowadays seems to recognize that in order for a mystery to be constantly remade, that indicates that the ending being surprising cannot be what keeps people coming back. Like... At this point, most of us know the ending to various of those mysteries that get really famous. I mean, even when they did, like, uh, Murder on the Orient Express, uh, like, even if you don't really remember the plot of that book, most people remember the twist that it's all of them. Like, it's easy to remember that. Um, so, you know, you don't go into the movie because you're like, gosh, I wonder who did it. 
you go into the movie because you're like, wow, I wonder if this is going to be a good adaptation of the story I'm familiar with, which means the stories need to have rewatch value. And if you're writing a story based on what can jerk the audience around most at any given moment, that story's going to have almost no rewatch value. Refs at Game of Thrones. But the point is, mm. it, it just ends up producing oh boy, this like... Oh, is that true? <laughs> yeah, but it's just like, if you if you look at it from the top down, it's so obvious that it cannot be about the twist ending. It has to be about the coherence of the story and how when the ending is revealed, it makes everything make more sense, not less. So if you're writing a mystery box mystery and you're just trying to string people along, you're not going to produce the kind of story that people are going to be remaking like 200 years later because it has no rewatch value. And I don't know, I didn't really delve into this in this video because that was kind of the whole thesis behind the plot twist video, which, as mentioned, I already made. But like, there really is something to that about how how mystery stories seem kind of at war with themselves these days where the writer feels like they must outsmart the audience when, in actuality, a writer writing a mystery really has nothing to prove to the audience. They're just supposed to be giving them a fun experience. It's not a contest. And if it were a contest, the writer has the world's most unfair advantage. So, uh, I'm just probably gonna have to bite the bullet and make a video about Sherlock one of these days. Or I could just rewatch the H-Bomber Guy video about it and get my catharsis that way. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, that that's probably solid. I feel like there 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 is no grounds left on tread in that video. <laughs> yeah, at this point, but, well, the problem is Sherlock is a pretty basic show. It's not that hard to unpack all the problems with it. Anyway, before I go down that rabbit hole again, <laughs> I think we should probably move on to the Q and A portion of this podcast. Yeah, I overall I feel like we had had some good videos this week, although both of them were were by their nature uh, destined to be plagued by. Um, uh, accusations of incompleteness, but a dash you know of spice. that's that's the game you play when you make a YouTube video. Otherwise, we'd be making five-hour video essays about Sherlock. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and let's that's, move on. That's a niche, but it's not our niche. Hello, and welcome to the Q and A portion of the overly sarcastic podcast, Belfast. where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. This first question comes from one of our lovely patrons. If you want to support the channel, support the podcast uh, help uh, pay my salary help stop them from saying Belfast any more times consider <laughs> becoming a patron and you have the opportunity for your question to be read first on a future episode this question comes from student loan debt oh oh, <laughs> oh Jesus <laughs> <laughs> of the three of you who is the overly who is the sarcastic and who is the podcast well, you're the podcast, obviously. Yeah, I feel like that one's a given. Yeah. So it's really with, which one of you is the overly and which I one read, of you is the sarcastic. I feel like I'm the overly and you're the sarcastic because I've gotten lots of accusations of not actually being that sarcastic. That Yeah, that's fair. And also that, just me as a person, I, I feel like I, I could describe myself as being extra. So I, <laughs> I, 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 think, I think I am overly, you're sarcastic, and Indigo is You is have podcast. recently commissioned more than one sword I feel like that definitely falls into the overly category. Mm. Mm. That's true. It's a wedding <laughs> gift. Lay off. I'm, d I'm not saying sure it's not it's to dope. me, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> Children, please, let's not fight. <laughs> not without the swords, anyway. Yeah, right, wait until my swords show up. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Yeah. I mean, also, I read, you're, you're right, because I am uh, currently sitting next to my, uh, my custom-commissioned flag of Venice, 
mm-hmm. uh, that ran me an embarrassing amount of money that I will mm-hmm. not disclose. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, I feel like like extra is 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 pretty accurate between the swords and the Venice and just the the truly staggering amount of blue, white, and like marble pattern that there is in my office at this yeah. moment. I think it's that people tend to assume that I am the more extra of us because I am generally louder and more chaotic. But like you, you do things like extra to the hilt. Like, yeah. you know, you don't just make the impulse decision to commission something. You scheme over the course of months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As I'm not very impulsive, but I scheme. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The overall extraness. Like I have little peaks of extraness, but most of the time I'm pretty chill. Yeah, whatever it is that I do, I go extremely hard. <laughs> yep. Hundred percent. Yeah, that was a fun question. Thanks, Thank you, student loan student debt. Loan debt. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> Put a big sad out there. All right, this next one comes from Boshua to Red. How well do you think any of the popular cop shows, Law and Order, Chicago PD, Criminal Minds, etc., handled the detective trope, and in conjunction, the mystery of the crimes in their episodes? Huh. Okay. Well, this is embarrassing. I generally don't like crime procedurals very much. I've only watched a few. Um, I've watched about a season and a half of Criminal Minds, discussed when we did the detectives Mm -hmm. tier list. Um, and I did watch, like, six seasons of Castle, but Mm -hmm. that was mostly Castle rules. I love Castle. Yeah, I really (laughs) liked it. Um, I think, and I've watched a lot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, although that is a little bit more of a workplace comedy that Mm -hmm. happens to be set in a police precinct than a detective show. Um, I think... It really, I mean, it, it doesn't just depend on the show. It depends on the episode and, like, the individual writer for the episode. Uh, mm. all, it, writing a mystery is hard uh, because, unfortunately, you do need to strike the balance between it needs to make sense and the audience probably shouldn't be able to figure it out immediately uh, because people watch a mystery to be a little bit confused and uncertain. So striking that balance between, you know, full, all right, it's really obvious where this is going, and full, oh, it was a fucking boomerang, you know, that's a tricky space to navigate. And even episode to episode, a lot of these shows don't quite nail it. And there is the fact that a lot of these shows start off pretty solid, but as they go on, they feel the need to start raising the stakes and the complexity. So, like... Mm. I, I recall there was, like, early Castle is like, oh, this person got murdered in a way that was in this book. How strange. And then later Castle is like, we're stuck in a freezer with a tiger. What are we going to do? And that's not <laughs> yeah. an exaggeration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my, my favorite episode of Castle is the one, specifically the, what I like about that show is that, um, for instance, in the Christmas episode, uh, it, it be, one of the Christmas episodes, it begins with, uh, there is a Santa uh, dead in Central Park who appears mm-hmm. to have fallen to his death. Yep. No helicopter records. So was that the real Santa falling off his sleigh? And of course, Castle's assertion that, oh my God, Santa fucking died, you guys, is, <laughs> is what drives the entire impetus of the of the case. And what, what's so fun about Castle is that he always believes the most batshit, crazy possible explanation. <laughs> and that whole dynamic is why that show works so well. Oh, yeah. Um, in, in the yeah. mid-seasons when it's like, was this aliens? I don't know. Or was this, you know, crazy other stuff? And that that's what I find uh, fun about that. And that's why that episode's my favorite in, in particular is like, it's very holy funny. shit, guys, was was that actually Santa who died? Um, I am begging you to actually just watch the X-Files. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you said yesterday that the X-Files has the problem of the status quo. So, like, they can so never they, actually find yes out. And no. They just, they just like to change what the status quo is every season. So, like, one season, aliens definitely exist. And the next season, actually, the government was faking aliens. And then the next Ugh. season, oh, but the government was aligned with the aliens. It's a whole thing. But that's, like, that the anthology episodes tedious. versus the um, 
the the anthology episodes are one of the ones where they do like there's a strange happening going on perhaps it is this hyper specific monster let's go investigate mm-hmm. and then there are the more story based ones which are um, cumulative and supposed to have effects on the plot but usually just end up being kind of confusing uh, but there's no. a there's an episode of leverage where the client of the week is Santa I mean mm-hmm. officially he is a mall Santa but Parker thinks he might be Santa. And uh, they do get a very unseasonal uh, snowstorm at the end of the episode to make it a white Christmas. So I think they helped out actual Santa. Nice. <laughs> uh, uh, but kind of returning to the question, I think, you know, um, I think something is, and you sort of touched on this, I think, on stream a little bit last night, but the difference between a procedural and a mystery is often what the story places emphasis on. In a, a cop show, a procedural, you're typically going to be more concerned with the crime rather than who done it. Uh, whereas, whereas mystery, you know, sometimes you have your full cast of characters that are all suspects or you have to suss out the clues. Uh, you know, on, on a law and order, it's not necessarily about figuring out who done it so much as like, how do I nail this person that I know did it? Or how do I stop something from happening? Um, and it puts a little more emphasis on the actual crime than the mystery surrounding it. It's an interesting space. I don't know. Procedurals are a lot yeah. of fun. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a, it's an interesting genre. It's just not one that I usually find all that appealing. Mm-hmm. For reasons I've had a little trouble nailing down, I think part of it is the uh, the fact that there's there's usually... It's like it's best if it's a monster of the week situation, you know, if, if it stays mm-hmm. entirely episodic, but they almost never do no, that. Late seasons tend to be like, even Criminal Minds does it in some of their later seasons. Got we can't talk about Mr. Scratch because I could complain about <laughs> him for hours, but. Wait, hold on. Has anyone ever made a crime like procedural monster of the week mystery, but it's actually like some like fantasy medieval town solving like local, like you know, crimes and stuff. I think that's like, the it's, Witcher. It's the, it's the yeah, hapless the police <laughs> department that the adventuring party in every game of D&D shows up to help. Well, like that's that, the guards' novels like... in Discworld, but the yeah. other okay, thing you're talking cool, about is there the we Witcher. Go. <laughs> that's accomplished then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're really, really good. Like, I think that's the thing. They ruined all other police procedurals for me because the crimes in, like, in the Discworld will be like, a cabal of wizards summoned a dragon to try and put a king on the throne of this city that hasn't had a king in 300 years. And coincidentally, the one true king happens to have shown up recently and is working for the police, but let's not dwell on that too much. And then by, the, by later, it's like, somebody's being murdered and we think it's this golem doing it. And by the way, the golems deserve human rights and now we're exploring that for the rest of the book. Anyway, so uh, yeah, I think that kind of made all other police procedurals seem really boring and uh, fraught in hindsight. Mm. Interesting. All right. Well, this yep. this next question, this comes from King Boss Godra, Godora. Uh, to all, what role would you play in a classic mystery novel? Who are you in the whodunit? Oh. Um. Well, as established, definitely not the detective. <laughs> <laughs> I... I also definitely cannot be the detective, and the funny thing is that I actually... Um, I, I had this conversation, I don't know if I had this conversation with Daniel Green when, when he, he published his uh, his book, Breach of Peace. Uh, the, the reason that I don't usually do mystery stories is because I, I always feel like I'm an idiot because I don't know if I haven't put the clues together, if a detail has not been revealed to me, or if I just fully missed it in the process of my reading. So whenever I'm reading mysteries, I feel like a dumbass because I, I don't Aww. get it and I don't know Aww. if it's because I have not been given the tools to figure it out, or... If I'm just stupid. <laughs> so I am also not the detective. I mean, half the time when they reveal the killer, I'm like, who? And then I have to go back and look for their name. 
They're like, yeah. oh, the maid, okay. Yeah, yeah. being name blinds does not help with understanding no. <laughs> uh, crime stories. You know, I think like a good maybe like um, place to pull characters from uh, to, would potentially be like Clue the movie because that's sort of got like a, a stereotypical cast of characters. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's a delight if you haven't. But um, no, I haven't. Uh, it's got the butler. You know, we've got the the butler leading him all through the the murder of the guy who whose house it was. Um, you've got you know the femme fatale, uh, <laughs> the the unassuming maid character, the uh, the the one token straight man. Um, <laughs> You know, you're, you're back, uh, typically they've got their uh, eccentric tag-along. E- either the detective is very eccentric or you're going to have an eccentric tag-along character, so that's always a fun role to fill. Um, there could be the bumbling constable. Uh, lots of options. Love that guy. Classic. Love that, I, love I, that I guy. I feel like, <laughs> like the role that, that Red, that you and I would have to fill in, in a detective story is basically whatever the closest analog to Mary and Pippin from Lord of the Rings is, <laughs> I feel like that is... The absolute best it. we could hope for. Yes. Like Legolas and Gimli. No, not a chance. We're not that cool. No, we we, we are Pippin and uh, and Mary. Hundred percent. So sort of like like uh, two maybe like staff members at the manor house or whatever. You know. Um, yeah, like we're just basically we're the Team Rocket again. Comment- <laughs> yeah, we we've Team Rocketed ourselves once more. Mm, Fuck. Excellent. <laughs> God damn it. Jesse James. Stop, oh, stop. God, no, no. <laughs> we can't we can't expose this forbidden knowledge to a new generation of fans. <laughs> so this next question comes from Withervoid. Uh to, <laughs> to all favorite ice cream flavor. Ooh. I uh okay, so I, I strongly believe that in the world of ice cream we must include gelato. Um hmm. and that the combination of um raspberry sorbet with chocolate gelato is essentially the best flavor combination in the entire ice cream kingdom uh and i will die on this hill um eternally yeah (laughs) it is such a good flavor combination you just get one scoop of raspberry sorbet one scoop of chocolate gelato and you're set with the caveat i have done the same thing with one scoop of chocolate and one scoop of cherry and it is Mm. similarly excellent any fruit chocolate combo is good well, not citrus. Citrus and chocolate is a very dicey combo a lot of the time. Mm. Um, but other than that, because uh, the problem is citrus has sour, chocolate has bitter. Together, they often cancel out the good parts of each. Um, but uh, the flavor I tend to default to is mint chip. Uh, yeah, but good. I also tend to select for like dulce de leche ice cream and like like caramel swirl kind of vanilla stuff. Um, also... I am a big fan of chocolate ice cream, but most chocolate ice cream you can get in stores is not that good. The problem is I have been spoiled because my dad would make this incredibly good, like, really rich chocolate custard ice cream. Uh, and that is the best ice cream in the world, and I can only get it at home. So, uh, <laughs> rarely. So it's like, I like chocolate ice cream, but not that chocolate ice cream. You know, the good stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I've th- I've been thinking about like you know whenever I eventually am able to go back to Italy, and it was like, oh well, you know, what am I in a hurry for? I can I can watch stuff online. I can I can read books. I can I can get most of the experience. And then thinking about this question, it's like, yeah, I can look at the the pictures I have on my wall and stuff about places in Italy, but 
I can't get gelato from here. I gotta go there to get it. <laughs> there it's are definitely the gelato places here. in definitely the U.S. At least passable gelato places in all of the cities that we live in. I'm just you saying, both ice know cr- it's not as good. Ice cream makers <laughs> no. are not that expensive, and you can make your own ice cream as rich as you want. It's not, yeah. it's not the same. It's not the same. All right. <laughs> Being in a piazza adds to the flavor, and that is the bougie hill I will die <laughs> on today. All right. Well, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Really, really repping overly. Fully. <laughs> it's not about the. It's not about the food. It's about the atmosphere. Mm. No, it's the combination. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. I like. Wow. Coffee, this question does not reflect well on me, does it? <laughs> <laughs> Mister, my local crepery. No, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this next question comes from Saturday's Laughter. Two blue. Do you have four fingers, or is that just a quirk in your little chippy guy? Red's chippy also has four fingers. Yeah, why single it out blue? <laughs> also, I'm pretty sure this guy's name might actually be Saturday Slaughter. Uh, oh. <laughs> judging by the alliteration. Yeah, that's possible. No, I, Saturdays are Saturdays are fun days. Uh, it, Yes. It's, it's, it's a day to laugh. It could why, be why Saturday's be laughing. <laughs> I'm just saying, odds are good. Um, yeah, no, my, my, my chibi character has has four fingers because it is a, a time-honored tradition in the world of cartoons that yes. um, that you, you give them four fingers because it's, it's easier to draw. It With is. five, it gets, it gets too clumsy and complicated. There's Not that a, I'm the uh, one drawing it. That, that, that's Red's problem. But. There's a there's a talkie frame I no longer use uh, where I was counting up from one to three, and in one of those frames I added a fourth, uh, like, like a little pinky finger, and I, I was like, no, no, it's too inconsistent. I can never use this again. So <laughs> it's too cursed. Mm, the lost frames. Mm. Uh, this question comes from uh, Zagel. Zigel? To all, I'm so sorry to everyone whose pronunciations I've just butchered in the last, like, 24 hours. Uh, this question... I mean, when people make Discord names, they know what they sign up for. If you have a name that's tough to pronounce that you were given at birth, that's rough. But if you make your Discord name tough, that's that's on you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To all, the most modern constellations are from 1763. If radical astronomers wipe the official sky slate clean, what new constellations do you want included up there? Huh. Uh, it's a constellation called Glitter, and it's the entire night sky. Uh, Done. I mean... Space is gay, confirmed. What? <laughs> Glitter's not... Well, you know what, that's fine. <laughs> I just... I mean... Here's the thing. A lot of the time, if you look at the night sky, you can pick out the constellations, even if you don't know what they're supposed to represent... And frankly, that makes it easier sometimes, because if you're looking up there and you're like, oh, I wonder where that guy in the chariot with all the goats is, you're not going to have any luck. But if you're like, I wonder where that slightly asymmetrical ellipse is, bam, you found Capella and Ariga and you're good. Um, But like, Mm. and also, you know, Taurus actually really does kind of look like a head with horns and like a hump. So it totally makes sense that people thought it was a bull. I'm just saying, like, there's plenty of cultures that had no contact with each other that came up with similar concepts for a lot of the constellations. Um, but I think that's not what this question is actually asking. I think it's asking what funny stuff what I new stand constellations by glitter. would we make. Glitter yeah. is pretty solid. Uh, I'll tell you what it is. There is a constellation near uh, Polaris. It is Cassiopeia. It is a straight-up W shape, and it's about time we started admitting it. So that's it. It's the W constellation. 
this is my new constellation. It's called Really Long Snake, and it's all the stars, but you can't cross the line when you connect the dots, so you just keep going. <laughs> you just keep going at all times. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, one this of those... is the new constellation called the Ultimate Challenge in Pac-Man. <laughs> or uh, one of those clickbaity phone game ads. Or the like, video game Snake. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. All but right. in Snake, there's only one dot at a time. Uh, I believe it's that in Snake, as the snake, you draw out a pattern that can never cross itself. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. You, Sorry, yeah. I was I was working one paradigm after I was on. Yeah, to the, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was on the the Pac-Man. That's the word. God that's damn this one. podcast. <laughs> we're uh, all very. We're all in a state today. <laughs> yeah. It's been a long year, y'all. Oh God. Long weekend. Uh, this question comes from Discount Discount Whiskey to both. If the other were a font, what font would they be? Huh. I mean, you have a font that's your handwriting. So I, I do. I like actually I have two. I updated one. Um, oh, nice. Uh, oh, damn it. I wish I could remember. It's it's like, it's built in on Final Cut, and it's the it's the default font I use for, uh, like, vocab words that I haven't, uh, that I, I'm not commenting on, but I'm struggling to pronounce. Uh, it begins with an L, and it's very elegant looking. Uh... And that's kind of the vibe. But I can't remember what I it's called, no so that's all you're all getting. I appreciate it, but I have no idea what font that is. We could also do, like, Palatino or Times New Roman or something. You know, it's just yeah. kind of, like, simple and refined. Yeah. Is there anyone that either of the three of us know who is Windings as a person? I think uh, I can think of a mutual friend of ours who I believe we could classify as I am Windings thinking of the person. same friend. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Excellent. Well, I looked up fonts that begin with the letter L, and these are a mess. These are just a disaster. Yeah, that's... There's so much going yeah. on. I have a novelty font on my computer uh, that... Uh, it's letters where it looks like there's a sword stabbed through them. So every okay. letter has, like, a little piece of, like, uh, the blade, and I believe the capital letters uh, start with the, the hilt. It's really fun. Very that's stupid. Cute. I don't yeah. even know where I got it. How do they make the curved letters work? <laughs> oh, it's just uh, it's just being stabbed through from like the left side. So ah, okay. capital letters have the hilt, and then every lowercase letter just has a piece of the blade. And then gotcha. I think there's probably a, a special character for the end of the sword. So okay, nice. that makes yep. sense. Yeah, that, that makes. I I wasn't considering one sword. I thought it was every letter had a different sword going through it. Oh man, a whole armory. <laughs> Um, really a, a while back, I did a, a video resume where I was trying to imitate a bunch of video games, and for that reason, I have various fonts saved on my computer now, <laughs> including the Ace Attorney dialogue fonts, Aww. the Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 uh, move fonts, Pokemon red and blue fonts, and they're all excellent. I highly recommend writing your official documents in them. They slap. <laughs> Especially the Tony Hawk one. That one's cool. <laughs> Oh my god, sorry, the Ace Attorney thing reminded me. Um, I have been steadily live-tweeting, uh, re-watching all of Avatar The Last Airbender, and I guess there's a Twitter bot that, like, unrolls a thread into, uh, like, a video where Phoenix Wright is saying it as dialogue, oh and god. somebody used <laughs> it, but they didn't realize that the thread was way too long, so this bot just kept <laughs> making more and more videos of just, like, like five or six tweets at a time and the person was oh, like oh wow. my god i didn't know what i was going to unleash i'm sorry so shout out to that guy i saw you i think it's hilarious nice 
awesome. Did we The fact land? that they tried to meme on you and it fell like wildly <laughs> out of control makes it so much funnier. I Can't know, meme it's on great. the meme master. But uh, to kind of return to the question at hand, did we land on what font red is? Mm. I mean, it, yeah, it's I, I guess it's cheating font. for me to just give red her own font uh, with her own <laughs> handwriting. <laughs> I feel like I can make uh, an argument for... Um, mm. That's tough. Hold on. I'm if it's not Comic Sans, we're good. <laughs> no, it's not Comic Sans. Uh, List of fonts. <laughs> <laughs> There's too many because you can download new ones. Helvetica? Calgary, oh, I'm, I'm pulling Futura, up the font list. Garamond, Times New Roman, Ariel, Helvetica Cambria. is the basic bitch of the fonts, I just, and we it's all just know it. Fonts in order of popularity. Hel- Helvetica's most popular? That's ridiculous. Uh, as someone who does Red, a lot I feel of like um, you could corporate be America work. Oh, yeah. cool. <laughs> I feel like you, you could, it's, it's not the best answer, but it's the only one that I can come up with right now without taking like way too much time to go through all the fonts and systematically analyze them. That's why <laughs> nice. I'm the, the L font that Red was talking about earlier. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, Palatino. We can probably stick with Palatino. It'll be simple. Okay, Palatino, mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not quite the same vibe. The one I was thinking of wasn't quite a serif font, but anywho. We went astoundingly far afield for a question about fonts. <laughs> yeah. Uh... I don't know what you expected. It was a question about fonts. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> it's important shit. This question comes from Noi No Soy Sospecoso. Oh no. <laughs> it's all typed oh, as one no. word with no spaces. <laughs> ah. uh, if life was a video game and someone managed to clear the OSP boss fight, what loot would you each drop? Huh. Just breezing uh, past the fact that someone has barged into uh, our office, uh, whereupon we were presumably ready to do battle. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like Pokemon style. Yeah. yeah, everyone's ready to throw down 100% of the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's um, see. Well, you I definitely like... get an expired Metro card. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> you get uh, a little keychain with a knife in it. Um, <laughs> is that the knife that I got you? No, that's a different knife. This is a different knife. This is an unrelated okay. knife that fits on a keychain. Um, okay. You probably also get a random knife drop from the assorted knives people have given me as presents. Hmm. Which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it's happened that many times. <laughs> eh, let's see. I For me, I feel like uh, like my, my loot drop would probably be my... My super fancy uh, Venice flag. Yeah. Uh, within uh, is contained the source of my power. Um, <laughs> a health and, potion and that tastes possibly, like Red Mountain Dew. De- depending on whether you, you stealth into uh, my boss encounter, uh, you can get Cleo as a familiar um, to, to assist you on quests. They but gotta it's, get it's no damage in the fight. It's only if you choose the non-violent option where you where you convince me to stand down. Then I'll be uh. like, okay, you're clearly on a heroic quest. Cleo will help you. She'll come back afterwards, but she'll help you for the duration of the video game. There's no pacifist <laughs> option for me. We gotta throw down. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I drop a DVD copy of Speed Racer. Um, <laughs> you also get a random plushie. <laughs> you, you get a random plushie from me. Nice. Um, uh, let's see. There's gotta be, but, like, none of that's, like, the real, like, the winning loot. You know, mm-hmm, like, your Venice mm-hmm. flag is the real winning loot. Um, I got a bow staff. That could probably work. <laughs> <laughs> Just a fun little weapon upgrade. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You get a little tiny red plushie uh, that sits on your shoulder and just gives you bad advice. And then on the other shoulder, you get a little blue what? plushie that sits on your shoulder and gives you good advice. Not Why do I give the bad advice? Not bad advice, but perhaps <laughs> impulsive would be a better word. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> wow. And now we have completed the cycle by Indigo choosing violence on this episode. <laughs> Indigo has gotten very uh, little sleep this weekend. <laughs> so I, Indigo I woke up like pra- choosing violence a long time ago. Also, I'm losing my voice. And as someone who works as a podcaster, that's a big problem for me. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. I feel like, like along the lines of like stealing the source of their power like red once you're defeated the person who defeats you just like suddenly their hair is very much longer <laughs> oh yeah 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 you get you get the super saiyan 3 upgrade mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. you get a tiny cactus and a little pot uh <laughs> yeah it's not that you take anything it's that you 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 gain red's power yeah you you absorb <laughs> yeah. my spirit and thus i will always be with you on your quest unfortunately yeah. for you <laughs> <laughs> Have fun buying three times as much shampoo, fucko. It's the Vine audio where it's like being possessed by a demon. It's like, what do you want? <laughs> the souls of the innocent. The souls of a the bagel. A bagel. No. <laughs> two, two bagels. <laughs> two bagels. <laughs> oh, God. Excellent. Uh, so this next question, uh, you know, we've got time for, I think, one last question here on the podcast. Uh, so this one comes from ZZ Digital, and I think it's time we return to our old friend, the Time Heist. ZZ Digital asks, to all, you've spread out across space and time at the end of a time heist movie to live relatively normal lives. What do you retire to do? And how do you dramatically quit when the gang starts getting back together for the next heist? Hmm. I mean... Okay. I I feel like I've got something based off of the... Uh, the trailer that was made by uh, community member Bill Vousset, uh, mm. wherein uh, the Time Heist trailer that he made, animated by himself, contains a shot uh, of, of Red and I sliding down the side of the Duomo, uh, whereupon a dragon appears from behind it. Yep. So, running with that, I, after the events of the Time Heist uh, film, retire to Florence, whereupon uh, <laughs> I live in relative peace, until a different dragon shows up and blows up the Duomo, and then I wake up and choose violence, and then that's how I get going in the second one. So I have to rewind time to before the Duomo was destroyed so that I can eventually retire at the end of this movie again after heavily reinforcing it with, uh, like, magic shields and bullshit. So incredible. back to the future. Yeah, basically. Back to the Duomo. I think I... I want to be in like like a cozy but slightly overgrown and a little bit apocalypse preppery like treehouse mm-hmm. just way in the middle of the jungle and it's not revealed that it's me in there until somebody traipses through it machete in hand and oh, is yes. like one last job <laughs> and I turn around and bam <laughs> okay so here's my I have I don't think Indigo as a character has appeared in the time heist yet as far as our canon is concerned uh, and I have this a pitch for you, Red. In. This is where the sequel comes in. Red, I have a pitch for you because I think I can tie it into to your... Uh... Perfect. Perfect. Let's hear it. Because as we know, my role on the in the channel is to harass you two into showing up for us to record the podcast and keep us in time, which is yeah. yes. very, very similar to the role of someone coming back from the future to assemble the team to stop, I don't know, the Terminator or some shit, whatever we're stopping <laughs> in the time heist. I'll traipse through that forest to find you, Red. I'm going to hack away through the machete. <laughs> it's me. Perfect. Indigo. Perfect. Bust open the door. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get back for the podcast. 
we're recording I don't tomorrow. Do that you stuff can't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you never really, you never really stop being a podcaster. That's something that stays with you in your heart. <laughs> Except after Red adamantly refuses uh, the 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 hero's call to to come and record the podcast, you let slip that uh, someone destroyed the Duomo and now Blue is on a warpath, and Red's like, "Oh fuck! Okay, let's go." Oh no! <laughs> How bad the Duomo was burned. All right, I'll get my things. <laughs> Grabs like a, yeah. a field mic <laughs> under the arm. Yeah, my, my then, USB course, mic. Yeah, to tie it into uh, uh, to, to last week's episode, we find that the the masterminds behind uh, the tragic attack on the Duomo were none other than uh, Indifo, Azul, <laughs> and and Red's uh, as of yet unnamed uh, arch nemesis. If we're yes. gonna put them in the time heist. Uh, cultural universe we should probably name red's nemesis at this point eh, i think it's funnier if i never call her by her name and she never <laughs> says it but it's always just like you again it's like uh, it's like gal gadot in um in the fourth fast and furious movie where her character is not named ha! for the entire film god, <laughs> god i really? love it when that happens <laughs> They do that in Jupiter Ascending with a bunch of characters, too, but we don't need to talk about Jupiter Ascending. The subtitles say them. <laughs> the subtitles say them, but... <laughs> do the characters out loud in an audible setting? I mean, how would we hey, know? Hey, Avatar, the audio by the way, you bad. never mentioned your name. Oh, my God. How can I forget the easiest option? Is it okay if you tell me your name 20 minutes into this movie after we've been hanging out for a week in story? <laughs> Excellent. God. Well, it sounds like we've got Oh, it. my God. Sorry. Do you guys know the fan theory that Zuko didn't know Katara's name for a while? Uh, because he never oh actually God. calls her by her name. And uh, at one point when he's talking to Sokka, he's like, I think your sister hates me. And then he Sokka says, Katara? Ah, nah. She's just, yeah, she's just a little grumpy. And then he after that, he starts calling her Katara. But he never <laughs> oh actually God. calls her Katara before that. God, that's <laughs> so funny. That's and I feel so like good. he's absolutely the type to be like, fuck, I have no idea what her name is. And it also makes the bit where she's, like, threatening him with death when he joins the gang so much funnier because she's just like, I'm going to put you in the ground permanently if I think you're evil. And he's like, awesome, yeah, you too, bud. <laughs> See you later, friendo. And she's like, fuck. <laughs> Very oh nice. Oh, my God. Awesome. Well, that's a, another, another entry into the, the time heist vault uh, here on we return to it every once in a while. There's we've tread so much ground here. We've got a, a veritable cinematic universe going. But um, oh, no. all right. Well, uh, Red, do you think you're just about ready to do the uh, do that outro for us? Yeah. Let's see. Uh, <clears throat> thank you all so much for listening. Um, our next episode will be out in two weeks. Uh, as always, it's it's that kind of biweekly, not the other kind of biweekly. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are hungry for more of that sweet OSP content in the interim, we have a YouTube channel that you may have heard of, and a Twitter. Uh, that's that's a thing, too. And an Instagram, and an actually. Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the Twitter Pics, is mostly where I hang out. The Instagram is mostly where the Clio pics go. Uh, yeah. And, let's see. Uh, wow, okay. You're doing great, sweetie. The, <laughs> the sleep death finally <laughs> caught up with me. Um, <laughs> and that's three. Uh, We're out, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay, uh, until next time, yes? Yep. We're not missing, okay, I've been red. I've been blue. This has been an Overly Sarcastic Podcast. Thank you very much. (laughs) 
Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on September 29th, but if you miss us before then, be sure to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below. 